wrong step is not guaranteed. I almost lost my life with one wrong step. And you compare those steps to days. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, sometimes the next hour is not guaranteed. So we gotta live each minute to the fullest. And I don't worry about tomorrow or next week. I worry about right now. How am I gonna love my kids and my wife more? How am I gonna serve my community, my friends? How am I gonna look out for those closest to me? I'm gonna keep walking forward because I know there's opportunity gonna be waiting. You know, and the best way to overcome failure, to overcome any obstacle, adversity, is just put one foot in front of the next. Keep walking. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today I bring you Matt Bradford. Do you get motivation, clarity, or inspiration from the Success Through Failure podcast? Then don't be so selfish. Share the motivation with your friends. Go to jimharshawjr.com slash share, and there you'll find a simple page with just three buttons. One to share the podcast on Twitter, one for Facebook, and one for LinkedIn. Click any of the buttons, and you'll have the option to either share the pre-written tweet or message or rewrite your own. That's it. Super simple. It'll just take a few seconds, unless you're selfish and you want to keep all of this awesome inspiration to yourself. Go ahead and let your friends in on the secret. They'll thank you. And if nothing else, you'll have something cool to talk about the next time you get together. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash share. No legs, no vision, no problem. Would you have the guts to say that if you lost your legs, lost your vision? Well, Matt Bradford has had the guts to say that. January 2007, he was injured after stepping on an IED, an improvised explosive device, in Iraq. And at that moment, his whole life went on a complete detour. And he would actually learn the real, true meanings of overcoming and adapting and success through failure, the failures that he had to go through and learning how to walk and learning how to read and and everything that he had to go through from that moment on was struggle and failure and setbacks. But Matt never lets his injuries define who he is or what he can do. Every obstacle he sees as a challenge and something for him to overcome. And over the years, he's just inspired so many people and he shares his story. And I hope by the end of this interview, you find the courage to look at your challenges, your failures, your setbacks, your adversity, and have the mindset of no legs, no vision, no problem, like Matt Bradford. Let's get to the interview. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. We've been connected online for a couple of years and been hoping to make this happen for a while and finally got you on here and excited to have you. So already talked to the listeners a little bit about your kind of official bio, but why don't you give us a little more, add some color to that, just the 30,000 foot view of where you got, where you, know, where you grew up and 30,000 foot view of how you got from there to here. So I'm currently living in central Kentucky right now, but born in Petersburg, Virginia. I go back and forth because my dad lives there and the reason why I'm back in Kentucky now in 2012 when I got out of the Marines, University of Kentucky was my goal, my dream school, and I've always wanted to attend and graduate from UK, and that was our mission then, and it made it happen. So, But um, I served seven years in the United States Marine Corps after 9-11. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to serve and give back to my country because I'm so grateful for all the freedoms that we have, and I wanted to protect those freedoms. 
So I live in here in Kentucky. I got a beautiful wife. We've been married eight years, three kids, you know, go out, motivational speaking. I do Spartan races, marathons, anything that will push me and challenge me. I prefer doing, I love to just put one foot forward and go attack new obstacles. And I love adrenaline. So you're doing Spartan races and marathons. I did a Spartan race last fall and then I did ran my first marathon here just about a couple of months ago. And man, they're a challenge as it is. How do you find the tenacity, the mindset, the drive to do something? It was hard for me. Those things are hard for me. I've got both legs and I'm healthy and, and I can see. And man, so how do you find the mindset to train for stuff like that, let alone compete in it? I told myself when I first got hurt that anything in this world, a normal able-bodied person can do, then I can do it. And I put my mind to it. I work out at least three to four times a week. To me, that is my medication, my therapy, just to be the best version of myself. I, I try to find something more challenging each year. And I don't like sticking to the bare minimum and doing the same thing all the time. So it's just, I just love life. I love to live life and I love to try new things. I don't ever make my injuries define who I am as a person and they don't slow me down. I just use them as another motivation and I'm going to find the strength, the mindset to get through that. Yeah. And from what I understand, this wasn't always your mindset going through after the accident and going through the early stages of your injuries. I know there was a dark period there too. So I just want to make it real for the listeners that Matt obviously has gone through some really hard times and it wasn't all roses and daisies for him, right? He wasn't smiling through the whole thing. There were challenges obviously for him. So he is human just like the rest of us. And he's dealt with these challenges. And so Matt, can you walk us through the day of the accident and take us through that whole process from the accident through getting to the hospital through the dark times and coming out of that in that shift of mindset that you had. So I was deployed to Aditha, Iraq, Alambar province in September of 2006. And during that time, the surge, all that was going on, a lot of casualties, a lot of killed in action. And we walked into a hornet's nest. Haditha was the Haditha Triad was located on the Euphrates River, not far from the Syrian border, but it was also the Al-Qaeda and the Surgency's last push for a stronghold. And the unit that we relieved told us in Al-Assad that they felt bad for what we we're getting ready to get involved with. But we were on foot patrols three, four times a day, and we engaged the enemy a lot. But every time we left our 12 Marines, we always come back alive. All 12 of us come back. On January 18, 2007, one point, as I did on every other patrol, I was walking past a compound wall that opened up into an area called the Palm Groves. And I saw a white bag linked up against a tree. And to me, this is a suspicious item. And that's how they marked ID emplacement, caches. So I turned, looked to my left, and told my team leader. And then I looked behind me to tell my the rest of the squad that okay, we got a white bag up here off to my right about 30, 40 yards. And the minute I turned back around as I finished walk past the compound wall, there was a ditch that ran perpendicular to the road I was on. And as I looked down, I saw the command wires going in from the inside the pipe underneath the road that I was standing directly over. And in the matter of seconds, it exploded. Life went from light to dark in the matter of seconds. And through it all, I was conscious. 
I was awake. I heard all the squad leader calling in F and everything going around me. But for me, people ask me, what were you thinking when all this was going on? It's honestly, I wasn't thinking anything at all. I didn't know everything went black. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a nightmare. I don't know what my feelings were and emotions. But I heard those Marines doing everything they possibly could get me out of the danger zone and get me to better safety. They put a tourniquet on, on both my legs. My left leg was removed at the blast. And of course, shrapnel went through both my eyes, instantly blinded me. And the Marines, they're my friends, my brothers. They were standing there holding my hand, waiting on QRF because they didn't think that I'd be living much longer. Yeah. And as they put me in the back of the Humvee, I heard one familiar voice and it was from my senior drill instructor who was a platoon sergeant. I said, Bradford, you'll be fine. And then I just closed my eyes. I passed out and I thought that was it. And of course, three weeks later, I woke up from a coma in Bethesda, Maryland. And this is when I started realizing what happened to me. So and did you I go into devastated. a coma? Like, was it a medically induced coma that they put you in? Or did you go into a coma at that point on your own? Or I, mean, I imagine you were losing a lot of blood when you were being transported and right after the accident. Did you pass out from that? And tell me more about yeah, that. When I heard the voice and then I kind of closed my eyes, I woke up kind of one time I was on the medevac because I could just hear, remember the lady talking to me, but it was actually a, um, a medical induced coma. And I was injured on the 18th of January. And by the 21st, I was in Bethesda. They wanted to rush me to the States as quickly as possible because they didn't know how the air pressure would affect my shrapnel in my head and my brain was starting to swell up. So they had to put a, like a tube in my head to take away the, take away some of the swelling. So, and of course I lost a lot of weight and pretty much lost the body's worth of blood. Wow. I had a lot of blood put back in my body. And, and when I woke up, like when I wanted to deploy and serve, like I knew the risk. I wanted to be an infantryman because I knew we would deploy. I was either going to come home with my brothers or I wasn't going to come home at all. Those are the only two ways I was going to come home. And this middle ground is not the way I wanted to come home. And laying there when my dad told me I lost both my legs and that killed me. I was in tears. I cried so much hoping that each tear wouldn't grow my legs back. Like I didn't care nothing for the vision. I wanted my legs to be back because you see this stuff on the news all the time happen to other people you never expect it to happen yourself. Here I am. What is a 20-year-old with no legs, no vision, going to do with his life? And I wouldn't eat. So I was extremely skinny, so skinny, the medical bracelet on my wrist would go all the way up my armpit. And so weak, I, it was a struggle to even lift my head up off the bed. I just wanted to lay there and die. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I said some mean things to some nurses and but it was tough. I was like, here I am fighting the bad guys in Iraq, doing something I wanted to do with people I love. And then in a matter of seconds, I wake up three weeks later and I'm in, in a country in the United States again in the hospital. I wouldn't even talk to my friends when they would call from Iraq. And so you went through this dark time and you say you didn't want to live. You didn't want to continue. This is not the vision that you had for your life. And the hashtag that you use on social media now is just walk and no legs, no vision, no problem. But that's not where you started. Right? You went no. through a dark time and you didn't eat and they say you weren't nice to people. And 
this was not something that you started out with in terms of this mindset. Is that right? It was definitely a 180 from what it is now. And people look at me, you could tell the surprise look on their face because how I was then to how I am now. And it was a struggle. I just laid there and I just, I questioned life. I wasn't the best of the students because I knew all I needed to do was to give my recruiter the diploma. All I needed to do was graduate. And I was off into the Marines. I was going to serve as long as I could, deploy as many times as I possibly could. And that was my life. I didn't focus on plan B, plan C, or anything. That was plan A through Z. And yeah. in a matter of seconds, my life just got flipped upside down. And I continued to struggle and face these challenges, adversities, and for the next few months. But the one thing that I've learned along this journey is the people that come in your life, the positive, like-minded individuals, they're looking out for me and they're sharing wisdom. And and that's what I had when I was in the hospital. I had Marines who were wounded in my company. I had patients from Walter Reed walk over and talk with me. And, and my family was there. The nurses, the corpsmen in the Marine Corps detachment, they were there. They took my anger, but they, never, they always kept coming in. And they always kept pushing and challenging me. When I told them no, they was like, no, you're going to do this. And it was one corpsman. One night she come in, she made brownies and she had a couple of glasses of milk. And I told her, no, I'm not eating. And she's like, yes, you are. And that was the first true meal that I ate. <laughs> it's like the next morning I woke up and the light was switched. It was flipped wow. on. And that's when I thought to myself that, okay, I'm 20 years old. I got a long life ahead of me. Yes, I have no legs. I have no vision, but you know what? They're not going to define who I am as a person. I'm strong. I got a heart. I've got a good will, mentality. And at the end of the day, I'm a Marine. Marines don't quit and they don't give up. Those Marines that I served with, I knew that it, they don't want me to give up. And that they're cheering me along the way. And once I realized that, I started keeping these goals in my head. Okay, if I want to be a better person, then I need to get from this hospital bed to a wheelchair outside that door, because that's where opportunity is. We can run into the wall over and over again, but you're bound to find a window or a door, and you gotta step through it. But what opportunity did you see at that point? Because I think, because I wanna put this in terms for the listener to understand that, okay, number one, this switch flipped for you. And I think a lot of listeners have this switch that flips for us sometimes. And then an hour or a day or a week or a month later, the switch flips back the other way, right? There's this back and forth. So I guess number one is, did you experience that as well? Did the switch ever flip back the other way where you're like, what's the point? I'm only 20 years old. I don't want to live. Did that switch ever flip back? Were there some struggles or was it all green light, all speed ahead? Now, to be truthfully honest, it switches back and forth every day. Because I'm constantly reminded of January 18, 2007. I pray every night that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to open my eyes to see my wife and my kids. When I open my eyes to see darkness, I grab my prosthetics. The memory is always going to be there. And somebody asked me before, and it was like, you know, when you get in this dark place, what do you do? And I kind of said it as a joke, but it's the truth. I go in my daughter's room and play Barbies with her because it <laughs> puts my mind in the right spot. Yeah. 
my three kids, my wife, I'm never going to let them live a life without me in it. And if it takes me playing Barbies every day with my daughter to put my mind in the right spot, then I'm going to go in there and play Barbies. Yeah, that's your mission to live for. It's living for those. It's living for the Marines I served with who lost their lives, who was wounded, to everybody who lost their lives serving this country. It's that memory. When I do a Spartan race, a marathon, I get on a bike and a ride, I, I wear a Kevlar. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's 11 pounds. It's hot. And people ask that, but it's like the burden of wearing that Kevlar is to pay respect to those who can't wear it no more. And for the few hours that I wear that Kevlar, I'm back in the fight with my brothers and my sisters. And I want to do everything I can to make sure that when that Kevlar's on, that the warrior within me is coming out. And that's all the motivation I need in this life. And the fact of being a Marine and going back to 2007, when that light switch flipped on, it was the Marines who motivated me and encouraged me. And the Marine who's come into my hospital room day in and day out and spoke to me as a person is the reason why I wanted to re-enlist in the Marine Corps. So that was my ultimate goal, that I needed to do what I needed to do, learn how to walk, to figure out the vision, to learn how to get on the internet, do whatever, so I could re-enlist and I could go around and help other severely wounded service members. 2007, I was supposed to be one of the worst injuries you know, coming back. But I'm like, if I can overcome this, then, then others can overcome their injuries. Matt, I was going to ask you a question, but I think you already answered it because you're laying there in bed, you wake up and your father tells you that you've lost your legs and you can't see, and you've got a long road in front of you that you didn't even want to go down. And then you have your first meal and the switch flips for you and you see opportunity. And it's interesting. I was going to ask you what opportunity did you see? But it sounds like the opportunity was to serve. And that's really where I try to come from in everything that I do, whether it's in my business or my personal life, is whenever you find that peace in your heart that wants to just serve and give, everything else seems to fall in place. Is that what it really motivated you? Is it a way to re-enlist and to serve those who need you? It is. And I learned this along the way. And it's just the fact of giving back and serving others how it doesn't matter if it's in the military or if it's civilian life. And actually, 2011, when I went back to Iraq and I was sending me the American flag saluting it, and I thought about my life and like, what's next? I served the Marines to deploy. I can't do that no more. God has given me this opportunity to go out and share my story. And even though I'm still trying to figure out my story, this is the path that I'm on. I had a lady somehow reach out to me on email. I don't even know how she got my email, but I did an event in, in Tennessee for Toby Keith, and she's a huge Toby Keith fan. So I made an Instagram, Facebook post, and she read it, Googled my story, and looked it up. And then she sent me an email and said, hey, Matt, you don't know me, but if it wasn't for your post and me Googling your story and seeing how you've overcome your injuries to live a happy life, then I would have committed suicide. Wow. And it's those stories. It's not just military, but it's civilians. And positivity hope we all can give it and share it and and it's the whole just walk where that come from you know, i was setting just going back to the when i first learned how to walk i was bouncing off 
the left wall, the right wall, tripping over my own feet. And I was getting frustrated because I'm like, how can I not learn how to walk? This cannot be that hard. And my physical therapist stopped me and said, Matt, whatever you do, just put one foot in front of the next and walk. I'll never let you fall. He gave me that confidence. But then later on in life, I realized each step is not guaranteed. I almost lost my life with one wrong step. And you can compare those steps to days. Tomorrow's not guaranteed, next week. Sometimes the next hour is not guaranteed. So we got to live each minute to the fullest. And like, I don't worry about tomorrow or next week. I worry about right now. How am I going to love my kids and my wife more? How am I going to serve my community, my friends? How am I going to look out for those closest to me? And it's just that whole just walk mentality. We got to put one foot in front of the next because I might have two prosthetic legs, but both my feet are facing forward. I'm going to keep walking forward because I know, as I mentioned earlier, there's opportunity going to be waiting. And the best way to overcome failure, to overcome any obstacle, adversity, is just put one foot in front of the next and keep walking. Is language important to you, Matt? It sounds like you say a lot of the right things. You say these things and, and you believe these things in the core of your being. At the same time, you said that the switch flips back and forth every day. And I think a lot of people have that switch that flips back and forth in them every day as well. And you're using language, it sounds like, to remind yourself that you do have opportunity and you can, can't face both feet forward. And there are things that are out there and ways you can serve and ways you can give to the world and you're helping people. Is language that you use, the words that you say out loud and even in your own head, is that important? It is because I, what I say in my head, what I put out there, I wanna make sure that people who read it, they look at me as, okay, if he's saying it, he wants it, he's doing it as well. I might help and serve other people, but when I'm struggling or when I'm having those difficult moments, I reach out to people. I have friends and you know, I have my wife, I mentioned my kids, and these are things that I like to, if I want to say it, then I want to do it. And I read a lot. And one of the books that I'm reading right now, The Ruthless Elimination of, of Hurry, mentions in the book, and I do this every morning. Like always, it's the only time in the house that's quiet and peaceful. And I just sit there and I just like think of my life and I think of what am I going to do? What's next? My family, my friends. But it's just that quiet moment where it's just me, no distractions. And I just close my eyes and think about everything that's going on. And think about my life, about the people that's come in my life, some of them that's left. But it's like, I just reflect and reminisce on everything. And to me, I feel like we all need to find that happy place where we can go and we can sit quietly and think about life and think about like goals. What do you want to do in your life? And I mentioned in the book that when we're on our deathbed, how do we sit there and think, did I accomplish what I want to accomplish in life? And I want to make sure while I'm on this earth that I accomplish everything I can. I think a lot of people are afraid to set goals. A lot of people say they don't know what their goals are. They don't know what the next thing is. And I think a lot of people do, but they're just afraid to admit it. They're afraid to bring those goals and hopes and dreams and wishes to the surface and actually put them out there as a goal or write them down as a goal because there's fear that they may never get there. Mm -hmm. But you go through this accident, you lose your legs, you lose your vision, and 
you don't give up on hopes and dreams and wishes. You create new ones and you have these amazing goals in front of you that a lot of us are sitting here with all of our legs and both of our legs and our vision. And a lot of people aren't allowing themselves to still have those goals, to still have those dreams. They're saying, well, yeah, but I don't have the education. Yeah, but I don't have the network. Yeah, but I don't have the time. Yeah, but I don't have the family support. Yeah, but I don't have the experience or the resume or whatever it is. Everybody has these, yeah, buts. And your own, Matt. I mean, <laughs> how do you deal with that? How do you forget about your own, yeah, buts, your own reasons? And no one would ever tell you, Matt, that there would be any problem with you kind of settling for a little bit less and kind of lowering your goals and dreams, but you haven't. How do you do that? Where does that come from? And what advice would you give to the listener who's sitting there saying, well, I want to do this. I want to live this lifestyle. I want to find this partner. I want to have this job. I want to create this life, but, and they're living with their butt. I think the one thing with me at the end of the day, it's like, I'm a Marine. Like I want people look at me. I want them to say, yes, he served. He's a Marine. So if it takes me going to the gym and working my butt off and you know, doing these things, but ultimately these are things I love to do. I think that's the one thing. It's like, I just love doing this stuff. There are two words that I look for. That's really focused a lot is patience and persistence. Before my injuries, I was very impatient. If I wanted something, I wanted to do it right then and now. But with my injuries, I've learned that I got to slow down a little bit. I got to be patient. I got to let the, I got to enjoy the process, enjoy the journey and just be patient because I know if I work my butt off my work ethic, if I'm motivated, then it's finally going to come. So it's going to be patient and persistence. It takes a lot for me to quit, first of all, but I want to like scratch, claw, whatever it takes to get to the finish line. As they told us in the recruit training that the quickest and easiest way off Paris Island is just to graduate. And I look at events that way. The quickest and easiest way off this course is just to one foot forward and cross the finish line. We did an event, a century ride last year in, in Fort Campbell, a hundred mile bike ride, 101 miles actually. And we were at about mile 75 and I told him, I was like, I need to stop because I had to fix my leg. And it was like, Matt, you can get in the security vehicle. I'm like, the only security vehicle I'm going to get in is an ambulance because I am not getting in that. I'm finishing this. I started this. I'm going to finish it. And it's just having that mentality that pain's going to go away. When I did the baton death march in 2009, I walked 10 miles, two years after my injuries. And then I was impressed. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. 10 out of 14 miles. But then it kind of, that's the first thing I ever quit on. First hike I ever stopped. And for the next 10 years, I focused that, okay, if I need to accomplish this task, then I need to strengthen up my legs. I'm going to get better prosthetics. I'm going to get stronger. And through that, I was doing marathon Spartan races. But at the end of the day, it was better in me so I can go out and accomplish something that I quit on. And last March, I went out and walked 14 miles. And it's just like failure can teach a lot of people. It could build and strengthen your character. It could humble you. And... To me, it's one of the greatest, to me, the greatest leadership traits you could think of. A lot of people, I read, listen to your TED Talk. I mean, it's important. A lot of people who are successful today have failed, but they kept putting one foot forward and they kept striving because they wanted it. And this failure is not going to stop them from living their life the way they want to live their life. 
Yeah. Failure. You know, we see it all the time, right? And we think it's okay for somebody else to fail. But when I fail, it means I'm not good enough, not smart enough, not capable enough. And so Matt, let's talk about failure. We see a guy like you who's gone through just a tragedy that most of us will never have to face. And you've come through it and we go, man, Matt's just wired differently, right? He's just got that little something that I don't have. Failure doesn't happen to him because even when he faced this insurmountable adversity, he came through it and now look at him, he's doing amazing things. Tell us about a time when you failed and the hopelessness or overwhelming self-doubt that might've come from that and how you were able to move through that and learn from it. I think through failure has been with me all my life. I played on a lot of sports teams, only one of them won. So I understood what failure was as a kid. And then I hated to lose, but it taught me a lot about not everything is given, it's earned. If you want something, you're going to go out and you're going to work for it. And right now, it's all through the work ethic, overcoming failure, overcoming adversity, whatever it takes. You got to have a good work ethic. You got to be motivated. You got to want it. And for me, failure, I mean, it, it's happened so much these last 13 years since my injuries. And at early on, I struggled with it because things weren't going as fast as, as they could. And maybe I wasn't put enough effort into it. But it, it's having those people around me, surrounding myself with good people who were there, who shared wisdom, like my physical therapist. A gentleman who I went to lunch with one day who was severely burned, couldn't even open up his Gatorade bottle. And he looked at me and said, Matt, I don't know how you stay motivated. I'd rather be burned than blind. And for me alone, I sat there thinking, I was like, this guy's going to go in and out of surgery for the rest of his life. But I see him every day, the happiest guy in the world. He was there when I stood up on my prosthetic legs for the first time. And he'd rather be burned than blind. But with me and failure, my injuries, whatever it is, I'm hopeful one day that I can open my eyes and I can see. And that's where the no vision comes from because I'm hopeful. I know I'm going to see one day. And I want to do everything I can right now to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do. I'm put one foot forward because I know that God is going to give me vision one day. And that gives me hope and the love of my family. That failure is just a setback. It's not something that's going to stop you from everything in life. Failure might knock you down, but it's staying down that makes you a failure, basically. Yeah. I posted it on Facebook a while back ago. I was in the gym and I was, I did bench press. I was trying to max out and, and I failed. I joked with my trainer. It's like, oh, you can't put that up there. Yeah, I can. Just like you said. People look at me and they're like, oh, they see like I'm doing marathons. They, but you know what? They don't see that I do fail at things. Yeah. My life is not perfect. I fail every day. But it's how we overcome. And it's the mentality and the mindset that we have to overcome and use that as motivation. That's what I did in 2009 at the Baton Death March. And I didn't let it stop me or slow me down. I'm like, oh, I can't do what I used to do. I'm just not going to do anything at all. I strapped so I could actually finish the 14 miles. And it's just how you handle it. Yeah. And for the listener, everybody's out, you're sitting there, you're doing whatever you're doing. You're on the treadmill or you're commuting or, or wherever you are right now, you're thinking and, and feeling about some failure or setback that you've experienced, right? And that is maybe dictating your life in some way. And I want you to recognize that that failure is not proof that you can't do it. 
it's proof that you didn't do at that time, or it's proof that you maybe have to go back and work a little harder. So like Matt had to do to get to the 14 miles instead of the 10 miles of the time death march. I mean, what is it you learn from that experience that makes you smarter and wiser and more capable for the next time you try it? Because failure, we've seen this over and over on this podcast, that failure is a necessary step on the path to success. So Matt, that's inspiring. And, and I hope the listeners really internalize that and can carry those words with them. And the next time that they fail, because that might be an hour from now or a day from now or a week from now, but that failure, I promise you is going to come. Yep. Matt, can you share with us a habit that you feel sets you apart, a habit that has helped you get from where you were to where you're at now, right? And maybe we're looking at where you were from where you grew up or from the accident to now, but what habit or habits do you have that you feel have really been most responsible for your success? I think looking back on my life and like where I started, my parents were divorced. I lived with my mom and she was more of a paycheck to paycheck, but the one thing that her and, and my family on my mom's side taught me is, again, the work ethic. And we might not have all the money in the world, but the one thing we had was love. And then on my dad's side, he grew up on a farm. He had the work ethic, but he went to the Air Force and he went to school, business degree, and retired from the government 30 years. You know, two completely different lifestyles. But the one thing my dad is, he made me work for everything. And those two things right there. And then that was January. I went back to Germany and I stood in front of an ICU bed that I was probably laying in 13 years ago. And I realized that in a matter of seconds, that one wrong step could put you right back. And you just got to have faith. You've got to be faithful. You got to be blessed with everything that we've been given in life. I gave my legs my vision and I got scars on my body and internally that, but I did it for freedom. I did it for a country I love, for the flag. I remember two things when I was in Iraq, we were set on top of the roof and some of the prettiest sunsets, sunrises, I got a chance to see and witness. And I got a chance to see that because like, no matter where we are in the world, all the evil around us, we could walk out of this compound and be killed. God was looking out for us and he was there with us. And it gave me hope. The next one was sitting on top of a post duty, looking down in a city that has been destroyed with bullets and bombs. And but the one beautiful thing that, that I saw also was the American flag that was being flown right over our fob. The red, the white, and the blue. The red, the sacrifice, all the sacrifice that it takes for this nation, this country to last 240 years when all the blood and that sacrifice keeps me fighting every day because those are the ones that I'm fighting for. Hope and sacrifice. And it's just, I think a lot and I think a lot about life, but I tell you what, I have three beautiful kids, a beautiful wife, and I want to make sure that I'm here to watch them accomplish their goals and whatever they want to be in life. And for me, that motivates me to wake up every day happy. I think for adults, especially in times such as now, it's like, I think adults can learn a lot from kids. And I have. Kids look at life a lot easier and a lot different than we do as adults. 
free-spirited. They laugh a lot. They live a lot. They live life to the fullest. And there's a statistics that I just read, and kids today laugh three or 400 times a day. Adults laugh less than 15. <laughs> wow. So I'm like, I see that, and I'm like, you know, we could learn a lot by just going in our kids' room and just talking and watching how they live their life. And to me, that's the most important thing, and that's what motivates me every day. That's amazing perspective and a dose of medicine that we all need. So thank you for that, Matt. For the listener who is all in and they get it and this has clicked with them, maybe flip that switch for them, what action can they take? There's something you can recommend that they could do in the next 24 to 48 hours to really start moving their life towards their goals and get off their butt or maybe set their goals higher or stop saying, yeah, but any action item you can recommend? Just like we were talking earlier, people say, yes, I'm going to do this. And then they sit on the couch. That's just the hardest thing with anything in life. It's all mental. Physically, people can do everything. Nothing slows or stops anybody from accomplishing whatever they want to accomplish. It's just getting off the couch. If it's go for a walk, go to the gym, read a book, find a new hobby. To me, those are the things that have kept me going. I love to read. I love to work out. I love to, it's just, we created the whole just walk mentality and when we had 5ks hopefully they'll be back soon yeah but we would create a just walk team and it's just to get people to come out and walk a 5k have a conversation a fellowship fellowship fitness what else are you gonna do on a saturday morning go to a 5k together it's just that camaraderie to get up and find ways to better yourself every day i think it's important i love people like jocko yourself charlie brenneman jason redman i look up to those people and i follow their lead Jason Redmond talks about the three P's, physically, personally, and professionally. Those three P's, you can accomplish them every day. It's better as yourself. And for me, I love to laugh. I feel like humor is the most important medicine in the world. So I love to, I just love to laugh. I love to smile. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks, Matt. For the listener who wants to find you, follow you, learn more about you, where would you recommend they go? Social media, website links, et cetera? So my website is www.matthew-bradford.com. I do Zoom meetings now, share my story, and hopefully once the isolation of the quarantine lifts, then I can get back out and do some more motivational speaking. I love to get out and share my story and how I've overcome my injuries and the life I live today. You could email me. Then... Facebook, no legs, no vision, no problem. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. Very active on social media and let's just try to share as much positivity and hope that I possibly can. Yeah. And for the listeners, Matt is a great follow on social media. So I definitely recommend that. He's just inspirational posts and just, I mean, this is real stuff. He's not just some happy-go-lucky guy posting great posts. I mean, this is real stuff that he's posted that is a view into his life and to the challenges he faces and, and how he faces them. And it's just awesome. So for the listener, I will have all of those links in the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action and you'll get all the links to his website, social media posts, even the hashtags and stuff that, that Matt uses. So Matt, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we finally got to work this out. And Likewise. Look forward to staying in touch and Hopefully come back on again if you need me. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And I know that your family in Virginia, maybe we'll connect in person one of these days. Yeah, definitely. And for the listeners, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. Mm-hmm.